This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 639 with Kate Swenson. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 639. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Kate Swenson is a proud working mama of four living in suburban Minnesota. She lives for coffee, preaches kindness like her life depends on it, and is continuously surprised by the twists and turns of motherhood. Her son Cooper was diagnosed with autism when he was three years old, and since then, life has not slowed down. Her daily life consists of keeping tiny humans alive and writing, creating videos, and influencing. She launched Finding Cooper's Voice five years ago for a place to share her feelings, and today it is almost one million people strong. Kate's first book, Forever Boy, about her family's journey with autism, comes out on April 5th, and she's so honored and excited to be a part of the process of sharing this story with the world. When Kate reached out about coming on the show, it was an immediate and easy yes. This is a conversation I've actually been wanting to have for a while. I know that so many of us are touched by children and people and family members and community members who have an autism diagnosis and exist on the autism spectrum in some way. And if there's not someone close to you in your life, it's likely that your child is in school with another child who's on the autism spectrum and has an autism diagnosis. And so I think it's so, so important that we learn how we can communicate and exist and support 
people who are neurodiverse so that we can all thrive in our communities and in our classrooms and in our families in all ways possible. So I'm so grateful that Kate said yes to this conversation. I'm so grateful that she reached out to me so that I could say yes to her. And I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. So listen in to hear Kate share how she wrote a book as a mom of four while pregnant during the pandemic, the process of her son Cooper being diagnosed with autism, the taboo nature of grieving your child's diagnosis, how she held grief and relief simultaneously after Cooper's diagnosis, how she and her husband grieved differently, leading to their divorce and eventual reconciliation and remarriage, what communication looks like for Cooper as a nonverbal child, how to use language in an inclusive way, the backlash and bullying she received after going viral talking about autism, and her book, Inspired by Cooper, Forever Boy, A Mother's Memoir of Autism and Finding Joy, and why this book is not just for parents of children with autism, but why this book is for every parent. So with all that said, please join me in welcoming Kate Swenson to the Shameless Mom Academy. Kate, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here too. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. What an exciting time for you. So I want you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. But before you dig all the way into that, we have to acknowledge that we're recording this a few weeks before your book launch birthday. And this is going live the day after your book launch birthday. So I'm assuming you're excited about that. So I'll let you take it from there. I can't believe it's almost here, but I felt like we started this, I started this process so long ago. So yes, it's finally here and I survived. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a huge milestone. You wrote a book about parenting while parenting four children in a pandemic, correct? So here's what's funny. So I signed my book contract on a Friday. On Sunday, the world shut down for COVID. Like the oh. email came out. We were all like, ear, ear, like school's closed. Like that doesn't right. happen. I mean, right, right. And, and we thought two weeks was like, unmanageable. We were like, that's never going to work. <laughs> I know. I know. So I actually I had three kids at home and a husband and he's wonderful and great, but that's another dynamic. And then I was pregnant. So oh my goodness. funniest part is my husband was always like, I'm like, I have to write, I have to write him on deadline. And he's like, just go, just go, you know, hop over to Starbucks or something. And I was like, I don't feel inspired there. <laughs> so like, <sighs> It was so stressful. He had to put a couch up against our door. So I, my office door, so the kids wouldn't bother me. Oh my goodness. It was hard. And you know, there's moments when you feel like the world, the universe is conspiring against you where like a whole bunch of like really annoying or frustrating things will happen on a Monday. And you're like, well, universe, what's up? I mean, this takes that to a whole new level. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It was definitely, I say a labor of love. And like, I've talked to some other authors and they're like, was it writing your book magical? And I was like, well, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say it was magical. <laughs> Quite that word. <laughs> it's a different word. We'll tweak that a little bit. But once it was done, I remember feeling like this, like way, like release of pressure. I'm like, I, I survived. <laughs> I bet. How old are your kids now? So, or, or if you want to start with how old they were then, then we, we can get the full picture oh. of how old they were at that time. Yeah. So well, so that's the funny part. I just recently realized we've been in a pandemic for almost two years. Okay. That is crazy to me. But Cooper, well, Cooper's now 11, Sawyer is nine, and Harbor, our little guy, is three, and our baby is nine months old. So we oh have my a gosh. Wow. So Cooper's your oldest, and yep. your book is about Cooper. So tell us about. Cooper and tell us about like your entry into motherhood 
and what all that was about, what that looked like. And then that will, I think, bring us into kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. So um, my husband and I got married, you know, I think very typical 25 and 30. And we're so excited to have kids. And it's funny. One of our regrets is that we didn't travel before we had kids. We like got pregnant right away. That was our goal, you know, go off birth control for the wedding. <laughs> and then like, we're like, well, here we are. And because everything sure changes once you have kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yep. And Cooper you know, he is the most beautiful, was the most beautiful and still is little boy ever. But he definitely turned our world upside down. People always ask me if I knew he was autistic. And I have a whole chapter about this in the book. I didn't know what autism was. Like, I didn't know that word yet. It wasn't as mainstream as it is now. But I remember looking down at him and knowing something was going on. Mm -hmm. I just knew in my gut. And But I will tell you, maybe you've heard this before, people always doubt first-time moms. Like I was, I mean, I was told he's just a boy, he's a late bloomer, you're worrying too much. And we really went on a roller coaster of trying to get him diagnosed, trying to get help for him. We moved so many times and spoiler alert, my husband actually, we got divorced and remarried to each other, which oh my gosh, I know. I did not know this part of the story. I'm scandalous, right? I I'm going to have to add in like a whole new series of questions here before the end. <laughs> I know, I know. And I actually had a pretty viral piece called I blamed autism for my divorce. Mm-hmm. And the piece is actually it had it, that's not what it was at all. It was just the way two people can grieve something and react to something so differently. Yeah. And we were separated for about a year and a half and then got back together. And we've had two children since. So we have the four kids now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. What a fascinating story. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to what you said about people doubting first time moms. Did people, cause I had experienced some of that too. And I will also, I should add the caveat that I'm a pretty anxious person and motherhood didn't make me less anxious. So yep. I think that yep. there, when you're an anxious person, people are like, just calm down. Yep. <laughs> I'm curious if people doubting you as a first time mom made you doubt yourself or did it? Cause I think sometimes it can make you doubt things like that can make you doubt yourself. Or sometimes it makes you dig your heels in even more to be like, Oh no, like I will make you listen to me. Did you hit either Both. one of those? Both. So the hard part about something like a diagnosis for your child is you don't want to be right. Like mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. want to be, I wanted to be so wrong. You know, as he was growing up, you know, six months, nine months, a year, 18 months is a big turning point. You know, you're always in groups with other children, mommy and me, all these different classes, parks. And even my best friends had kids the exact same age. And as your child ages, there's, the differences just scream louder at you all the time. Mm-hmm. And we're to the point where you can't even, you can't hide it or pretend that it's not there. So I remember going to the doctor so many times and being like, something's going on here. Like something's right, not right. And they're like, oh goodness, he's smiling. He's so cute. He can't be autistic. I mean, the mm-hmm. things that we heard were so bizarre. And then once I realized exactly what was going on, then I dug my heels in. Mm. And we actually had to move three hours south to get help, to get services. And that was a hard switch for me. It was like, I don't want to be right. Now I'm right. Now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a lot to process. Yeah. It's pretty common for other, I hear it still to this day, you know, 11 years later from other moms where they're like, no one will even help me because my son's not three yet, or my daughter's not, you know, a certain age. And it's like, Oh gosh. Mm -hmm. I've heard that. So I actually have a couple of friends and family members with who have children with autism and also children with ADHD. 
and where just early on they had these inclinations and doctors were like, let's wait till kindergarten. And just like things like that, or let's wait till first grade or second, or let's just kind of wait and see. And which I think it pushes like those mommy instincts into a place of doubt. And then it's also so frustrating because you're like, my kid could be getting help now. <laughs> like, what yes. would early intervention look like if someone would just listen to me? Yes, um, exactly. Really yeah, it's really, a, and then it's kind of like a hurry up and wait mentality too. Like, it, you know, you get the diagnosis. So when we walked out, I was like, okay, I was like motivated. I was like, mm-hmm. we're going to help Cooper now. I'm going to set all this stuff up. And there was nothing really more than what we were already doing. Mm-hmm. It's a really anxious time for parents and a really isolating time because, you know, there's no guidebook. There's no, yeah. there's no one to tell you what to do. I also imagine, so my son went through, got some support for anxiety when he was three. And I remember that feeling when the doc, when the pediatrician was like in agreement with like, yeah, there's, we should probably look into this a little bit. And I was like, oh, thank you. Because again, it wasn't just like my mommy brain, like overthinking something. And then the referral that I got when I called, they're like, well, we can put you on a waiting list. It'll probably be about six months. And I was like, wait, what? Like, we can't go to bed in our house right now. And you're telling me it's, and I would imagine there's just, I mean, a whole different level of that for you. Yeah. So when I called, I have a really beautiful story where, you know, I heard autism at this lunch and learn meeting I was at, at work and I snuck up to my office and I Googled autism and I was like, okay, this is Cooper. And I picked up the phone and I called the place. I'm like, I'm going to do this now. We're going to schedule the, so much courage, right. To schedule this appointment. And they're like, well, it'll be about nine months. And I was like, what? That's that's a lifetime in the age of a young child. And then I convinced myself, I was like, well, maybe that's a good thing because he'll be fine by then. Mm. You know, the in, yeah. you, you go back and forth. It's like, we'll be fine by then. You know, yeah. we won't yeah, even need it. He'll outgrow it. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk, you mentioned the grieving process and you mentioned, you know, partners can process grief really differently and that you and your husband processed it differently. Can you talk a little bit about what your grieving process looked like and just what that looks like? Because you said, like the relief of, oh, this is what it is. And so this confirmation and validation that like, this is actually a thing. And now there's potentially some solutions that we can, and services we can tap into. So to have like that, hold that relief and then also hold grief. Can you talk a little bit about those aspects? Well, I'll first say, you know, special needs parenting grief is a really taboo subject. And it's really, I really made my social media platform is really based on talking about that grief and being honest about it. And that you can love your child so much. Cooper is the best thing that's ever happened and still be sad about this diagnosis that he's going to carry lifelong. But it is taboo. Like you can't really like pick up a therapist, a phone and call a therapist and be like, can we talk about special needs parenting? Because there's just no one talking about it. So for me... I felt that relief instantly when he was diagnosed. And then I started the uphill battle that most parents can relate to when you have a child with autism, getting services, helping them, teaching them to communicate. What's the future going to look like? Self-care, all that stuff. And I really hit my low point, I would say, when Cooper was, he was six. And we had an event that we went to, and I really saw his differences and how hard his life was going to be and the challenges he was going to face. And that night I put him in the bathtub and I was sitting on the ground. I was washing his feet and I was looking at him and he was no longer 18 months or two. Mm. He was six years old. And I was like, this is never going away. And at this point he was still entirely nonverbal. So no words at age six, 
didn't really seem to understand that he had a brother, didn't, you know, had zero self-care, didn't play, really challenging place. And I was like, I, I hit my bottom and it was not a, a good time for me. His care never suffered. He was always the center of my world, but my personal well-being, oh, I'm I, sure. I worked full time, I mommed. I didn't eat well. I drank a lot of wine. I was just not my best self. Let friendships go. Let family go. My husband and I got divorced. And then I started, you know, I went through that for a while. And then I realized I'm not giving him his best life when I'm in this sad place. And I really shifted my focus and focused on him. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. Yeah. Can you talk about how your husband processed differently and what that looked like and the effects on your marriage? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I have the most laid back husband you will ever meet. So like I always joke, like if the house is on fire, he'd be like, let's sit down and just <laughs> and make a really good detailed list here. Like that's just, he's, he's so funny. Um, like during my, he's the best person to have in the room when you're having a baby because nothing rattles him. Just <laughs> Yes. But the same thing happened with autism and mm-hmm. he didn't really show much emotion Mm-hmm. He didn't get worked up. He didn't get stressed out. He didn't get angry and sad and frustrated. And he didn't really seem to grieve what I was grieving, like words and baseball games and all those things, games, playing games. And I started to carry the weight of autism by myself. And that means I made all the phone calls and I made all the referrals and did all the research. And I immersed myself 100%. And I felt like he kept just living his typical life. And I went through this huge thing alone, even though he was right next to me. Great guy. So what's the the interesting part is, is that he was just a couple years behind. So he started his grieving process once I was done because it just Mm. took him longer. He kept thinking it was just going to go away. So interesting. And I'm thinking about how I'm thinking about just kind of the general nature of like being a default parent and then becoming also can potentially becoming the gatekeeper of all the information, which I just think is the role that so many moms take on Yep. So the level of default parent though, with a child with special needs, like the responsibility of holding all the information, being in charge of care, knowing all the things mm-hmm. I imagine then the resentment that could build up if you then put yourself in the position of gatekeeper where you're like, well, I know all the stuff and you don't know any of it. And, and yep. like, how dare you not know it? And, but I'm going to keep it under lock and key. Cause you haven't even earned knowing it because you haven't been stressed out about it. <laughs> That's exactly it. Like I would I remember, I call it the business side of autism. So there's the business side and then the emotional side. And I remember I like gave him like, this doesn't sound funny because our marriage was very even, but I like gave him a task. I was like, can you call the insurance company and fight about this or something? And like, he came back. He's like, nothing I could do. And I'm like, did you argue? Did you, you have to get this. And he was like, Oh no, no. And then I I remember being really resentful and I'm like, fine, I'll just do it myself. So yeah, there was a lot of resentment. I would imagine I have that fine. I'll just do it myself gene in me. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. That's such a mom gene. (laughs) I know. So when we got back together, I remember saying like, I have to give you some of this. I can't Mm. carry it alone anymore. And we are very 50-50 now, which is great with Cooper's care. So took a little shake up. (laughs) (laughs) A divorce, a remarriage, (laughs) throw a few more kids in there. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So can you tell us a little bit about Cooper today? So you said at the age of six, he's nonverbal and you're just, you can't imagine what this future looks like. And now he's 11, you said? Mm-hmm. So what and is I like as an 11 year old. Oh, he's a riot. So one of the reasons I share on social media is because if I would have seen Cooper at 11, when my child was diagnosed, I would have been like, Oh my gosh, that kid is amazing. Because back when I Googled when he was two, it was dark, like green mm-hmm. videos on YouTube of like scary things. And I'm like, that helps no one. So he is on paper. So there's Cooper on paper. He is diagnosed with level three, severe nonverbal autism. He has really, really tough anxiety and ADHD, and he has intellectual disability, which is a lot. So I don't ever say that. I have an envelope in my drawer. Like, I don't need that. He is a fifth grader, going to be in middle school next year. 
He loves trains and penguins and his iPad and his family. He has the best laugh you will ever hear. He leads a really, really full life, which was something that I I was told that, you know, people with disabilities would never do. Cooper's life is full. He is popular and loved and treasured. The thing that I always want to say is like, he's just one of my kids. Like, it's not like I have three kids and then one with autism. I have four kids and they're all uniquely made and exactly who they're supposed to be. I love that. I want to ask a little bit about him being nonverbal because I'm imagining for parents who haven't spent time around nonverbal children, I'm imagining there's potentially some misconceptions. So when you say he's nonverbal, he's not speaking, but that doesn't mean he's not listening, internalizing, taking everything in, right? Yeah. So what so, is, can you like kind of explain how he takes things in and then also how he communicates? Yeah. So I didn't know nonverbal, I always say this, I didn't know nonverbal was a thing. Like before I had Cooper, I assumed everyone talked. I mean, unless there was something bigger going on. And I remember my mom saying in the beginning, because Cooper never babbled. He's still to this day, never babbled. And I remember my mom saying to me, she's like, everybody talks, Katie. That was the sentence. Every phone call, everybody talks, Katie, don't panic. And that's what she thought too. So he has a condition called apraxia as well, layered Autism has sticky fingers, so it's labeled and it's layered in there, this apraxia, and it affects the motor pathways in his brain. So mm-hmm. his brain is talking, and it's, but I always say there's potholes that go to his tongue. So his tongue, oh, it's telling his tongue to move, his tongue doesn't move. So like he can't stick it out, he can't touch it to the roof of his mouth. And speaking is really complicated when you think about it like that, like when you're yeah. conscious of it. I'm like moving my tongue right now. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's just very interesting. Like he drinks from the side of his mouth or takes a bite with the side of his mouth or um, he he just blew his birthday candles out for the first time this year. Exciting. Oh, so exciting. So, but he does have some verbal words. So I would say he has like 20 or so words that he says that I understand. Like I know that mm is marshmallow. And mm is milk. So like, I know. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, so he does. And he says, mm, uh, mm, for mom and uh, 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 for dad, which is absolutely amazing. Cause just like every other kid, he says it a hundred times a day. <laughs> mm, uh, mm. Yep. Every day. And it's the best sound I've ever heard. Oh. He also speaks with some sign language, which is hard for him because again, with that apraxia and those motor pathways, it affects his fingers. So like all of his signs are kind of muddled together, but again, we know what they are as his parents. And he's really good at gesturing, really good at getting his point across with just, I mean, he's a very persistent, smart boy. And then he also uses a speech device. So it's a series of pictures on there and he can press something and, you know, a couple buttons and it says, I want milk if he wants to. And the other thing that he's learning to do is type. And that is my biggest goal for him because if he can learn to text message me, oh my yeah. gosh, that's like my dream. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. is that, so this is so fascinating. I'm like, I want to dig into like all the brain science now. So yeah. is it common that be with nonverbal and that explanation of the brain, like that the brain is thinking and processing and like the brain is like, developing the words, they just don't get to the tongue. Is it common then that a child would be able to be fully communicative via texting or typing? That's a really, really good question. And the answer is complicated, much like everything else with autism. So what I always say is Cooper has autism or Cooper is autistic, however you choose to say it. And that really affects his desire to communicate. So 
all the ways I listed that Cooper communicates, he still doesn't tell me about his day. Mm-hmm. He doesn't talk about his favorite animal when you think of, you know, like a toddler mm-hmm. or even a boy his age. His things are needs-based. So very okay. much I want, I need. And then that apraxia, which is just kind of a really tough diagnosis because it affects the ability to speak. So he has this twofold thing going on. So my dream is that he can have a conversation back and forth with me. We do chat. Like right now we're going to a water park on Sunday. He woke me up this morning by tapping me on the shoulder and putting a three fingers up because we're going in three days. Oh my gosh. I love it. Yep. So we do chat and, you know, he gets his point across, but I wish, I always wish for more. Yeah. I always dream for more. I would imagine. And I also imagine that the celebrations for the milestones are just huge because none of them are guaranteed. Yeah. So one of the gifts that comes with autism is I remember, I wrote a post about this a while back. I get to remember and treasure like every huge milestone. Like I remember when Cooper put his shoes on for the first time. Mm-hmm. I remember when he buckled his seatbelt. Oh my gosh, that is, we still clap every time. Cause that's a huge skill, buckling your seatbelt. Like I remember all these different things that he's done. I remember the first time he hugged me and kissed me. Oh. He was six. Yeah. So th- it's a really great blessing. Cause like I think of my other kids and I'm like, I think I remember that. <laughs> like, Sometime in this window of a couple of years. <laughs> you did that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I want to, you mentioned Cooper being autistic versus having autism. And I want to just go back to that for a second, because one of the things that I try to be so conscientious of, and I know a lot of our listeners are similar in this way is the language around being inclusive and speaking of people in the way that they want to be spoken of. So Mm -hmm. can you just talk about that? You kind of mentioned like it can kind of go either way. It sounds like, is there a way in the special needs community that is preferred or? Yeah. And, and, or is there a way that's offensive that we should not be? Yes. So that's the hard part about sharing your life online is you seem to always make somebody angry. Um, I, I, we were going to get to that. We haven't gotten yeah. to that question yet, but go for it. Like literally my eyebrows make people angry sometimes. Like the, just the, the sight of my face. <laughs> Sorry for being me. But the whole, the language thing I find to be very confusing. And what I always tell bloggers is pick what you think it should be. Because so is autistic versus has autism. Professionals, teachers, therapists, people in that work with individuals with disabilities seem to do person first. So Cooper has autism. Mm -hmm. But if you dig into the self-advocate adults with autism, they really like saying my autism. Like they like saying it Mm -hmm. that way. Like Cooper is autistic. Mm -hmm. So I, if my son doesn't have a preference, I always go towards what they want. But I still, another one that's really kind of tricky is disability versus special needs. And that's one that really causes a lot of prickly feelings because a parent that has a three-year-old does not want to look at their son or daughter and say that they have a disability because they're little and that's so hard and that's so heavy. So special needs really came from this kind of nicer, gentler way of saying it. But if you talk to adults, they have a disability. They don't have special needs. So it's hard. I get a little angsty because I'm like... I don't want to step on any toes. I just want to advocate for my son. (laughs) Yeah, this is so interesting. I was actually just reading something around disabilities and- It's uh, not a dirty word. Yeah. Right. And I'm trying to think of the kind of exact use that I was reading about, but it was, I think it was 
people with disabilities versus disabled people. Yes. Um, and I was really surprised because I have done some work in really light work, but in a clinical setting, I was familiar with people first language. So I was yes. like, oh, people with disabilities. And then as I read about it, it was like, no, 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 disabled people. And I thought, oh, but I feel like if I say that, like someone's going to get mad or it's going to be taken the wrong way or... Yes. Yeah. I, so I still feel it. I'll tell you perfectly honest. There was like a year where I didn't even use the word autism in my writing. Mm. Cause what happens is, is people get stuck up on a word and then they're losing the whole message. Yeah. And then the whole advocacy is like out the window. Cause we're fighting about the word special needs and it makes me sad in a way. I could just do good work for Cooper. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how having a child with special needs has changed you? Oh, goodness. So completely transformed me into an entirely different person. I always say Cooper made me the person I was meant to be, mm. which I think is just a really beautiful way of saying it. Yeah. He has taught me by just being himself, you know, he is resilient and brave and fearless in so many ways. I'm not as fearless and brave as he is. I worry to death about him all the time. But really, he's taught me to see the kindness in the world. And then he's taught me to see some of the icky stuff in the world, too. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. I always say he gave me the gift of sight. Because it's like, now I know, like, my eyes are open to this world that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And my kids are getting that, too. My other three children. Like, my nine-year-old is the most amazing advocate ever. We had a Miracle League kickball game last night. And, you know, he's running and holding hands and, you know, and I'm like, we say hi to everybody. And we, you know, I just love that. That's something that I didn't know was going to come from this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I would imagine there's lots of gifts like that. Mm -hmm. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under-sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. 
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. What is the impact? And you kind of just started to allude to this. What's the impact of having a child with special needs on your other children? And how does that change? I'll let you answer. I have a follow-up question prepared as well. So the beginning was hard. So Sawyer and Cooper are two years apart and there were like, that's a lot without having to deal with a diagnosis or extra care or anything. Yeah. Yeah. When, so, um, they're two years apart and it was hard in the beginning. I don't like to ever gloss over the realities of severe autism. The beginning was hard. We had every window triple locked. We had doors triple locked. We had to have a fence. We couldn't leave the house on the weekends. There's so many things that I go into in, in my book. Like we couldn't have lamps because Cooper would break the light bulbs. We had to have oh, lighting wow. and just so many different things. And it really affected my younger son hard in the beginning because he'd want to go places and we couldn't. He would have to leave early. Or I remember the first time he said to me, he's like, why isn't Cooper my friend? Like he just didn't understand why Cooper didn't play with him or acknowledge him. And we had a lot of hard years. And what it did was bring Sawyer and I really close together. Mm -hmm. And we really decided to focus on making sure he was his own person too and had Mm -hmm. his own stuff. Yeah. I went through a hard period where I say Sawyer was raised by other people because I would find a family member to bring him to the zoo with, or he would tag along with friends to go to the movie. And I say he grew up in photos for me for a lot of years Mm because that was before, you know, real video. And it was sad and it was hard and I'm thankful for it. But that was his opportunity to like get out of the house and do things that you couldn't do with Cooper, right? Yep. So now we have four kids. Our house is a zoo. It's absolutely (laughs) wonderful. And Cooper has really settled into his autism. That's what I say. We figured it out together and he is happy here. And we have this whole world for our other kids where we have babysitters and my husband and I split up and go somewhere. And, but it took us a lot of years. It's hard for families in the beginning. You have a lamp. We're on video right now and I can see the lamp in your background. So that shows. Yes. Yes. I'll be able to have lamps. Like the evolution and the progress that can be made over time. Yes. So much figuring it out though in the beginning and figuring out how to give each child what they need and let them be the people that they are. I find it hard with four kids. I talk about this a lot on my Facebook page. My kids need, I feel stretched so thin. Like Mm -hmm. I can't, and maybe it's the unique ages too. Sawyer's really busy in sports. He's a really active kid. I'm still breastfeeding my youngest one. My three-year-old is feral. He is the most (laughs) amazing. He actually says, I'm not naughty. I'm wonderful. Like he's so, (laughs) as he's like, has the highlighter on the carpet. Right. Like, I'm not naughty. And I was like, so our hands are really full. And I just hope that I feel stretched so thin. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that about four kids. It's a lot. They always need something. Yeah. (laughs) 
you know, I'm raising one child in a pandemic and there's days when I get to the end of the day and I'm just real tired and and overwhelmed. And I think, how do people do this with more than one? Like, what does that even look like? And we, we would have had more children. We went through this whole infertility thing journey. And it's interesting with the timing of the pandemic, I was like, oh, this is how it was meant to be. Like the universe was smiling Somebody on us. Knew. Like, you don't know what's coming, but you're going to be glad you only have one. And I'm saying that like tongue in cheek, of course, there's like <clears throat> grief and things that go along with that. But I right. just so many times thought like, how do people do this with more than one? And, you know, running a family on in a pandemic and oh my goodness, it's so much. I want to talk about backlash. So you talked a little bit about thing, you know, people will hate you for anything from the way that you use certain words to how your eyebrows look on any given day on Instagram. Can you talk about backlash for sharing your story? And also, can you talk uh, even maybe before that, like, did you give consideration to speaking publicly prior to starting that? And then kind of what does it look like in terms of backlash? So the first thing I'll say is I started a blog in my living room on the old WordPress format where (laughs) you had to subscribe to read someone's content. You got an email. I mean, it was 10, nine, 10 years ago, I pushed publish in secret. And I think Mm. more people read my stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I'm a blogger. <laughs> I was a blogger in a very similar way 10 years ago. Uh-huh. I love yeah. it. I totally relate. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I named my page Finding Cooper's Voice, which I still love that name. But I will tell you, I went to put my son's name in oh. my page because I naively didn't think I would ever have anyone read my stuff. That's the So when people ask for advice now about starting a blog, I always say, just so you know, Anyone can read it and Uh that's awesome. And you might go viral and suddenly have a million followers tomorrow. You don't know that. Mm -hmm. So when I first started, so I had my blog and then flash forward, I pressed publish on the Facebook page. And I remember when I had like a thousand followers and I was like, I made it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm here now. I've arrived. And I would pick up my phone and I would record videos. That's all I did. I just would record videos and talk about autism. I had no idea that I could piss someone off. I did not know that I felt differently than someone else about autism. It was a really scary reality when it caught up with me. I had a viral video that I do not regret making, but it was very emotional. I cried in my car and it was titled, The Last Time We Believe It's Going to Be Okay. And... It was Matt Lowpoint that I mentioned earlier in this interview about he's going to be autistic forever, even after I'm gone and no one who's going to take care of him. And it was a very heartfelt video and I pressed publish and it went super, super viral. And people either hate me or love me for that video. Mm. And I went through a lot of bullying and a lot of shaming and a lot of really scary stuff. And I got really scared (laughs) and thought about quitting. And I have many times over the years, but I've learned and I've grown. I think we're supposed to give ourselves grace. We're allowed to make mistakes. And I've changed the way I speak about autism. I've changed what I share. I've shared a lot more things in the beginning than I ever would now. Also with respect to my kids too. But that's the thing. No one ever thinks that anyone's going to ever read their stuff. (laughs) Right. And people will tell you that. Like, Uh, someone like I've been doing, you know, I've been, I've had the podcast for many years and it's been as far as podcasts go pretty successful. And when people start things, I'm like, don't worry, like seven people are going to watch the first day or listen the first day or whatever. Like there's often this really slow progression, but to your point, you don't know know. when that's going to happen. And I will also tell you as someone who's created content online for so many years, 
the stuff that you think like, this is going to be the thing that like is going to catapult me and make me go viral in a really positive way goes nowhere. Like people nowhere. are like, oh, uh-huh, whatever. Like you can just yes. never anticipate responses. And so the things where you're like, this is going to be the thing, like Oprah is going to be ready to hire me and it goes nowhere. <laughs> and then like you say another random thing and it just goes gangbusters and you're like, whoa, like that's, yeah. I wasn't planning on dying on this hill, but now I have to. <laughs> yeah. I had a viral video where Cooper locked me out of the house and he was totally safe. We had like this glass you know, next to the door, like the glass we could see in. And he's like standing in the dancing to his iPad. And I was like, buddy, like, let me in, you know? And like, he starts back then he used to line up chairs, which is a whole story in itself. Like he would take like 20 chairs and line them up. No one could touch them and a whole thing. So I'm watching him like, like lining up the chairs and I'm like, open this door. And I shared it and it went super viral. And I was like, well, this is obviously a really cute video. No. Oh, no. Like, it's like neglectful parent. That kid should be in jail. You know, I mean, so many responses you would never anticipate ever. Yeah. What keeps you returning in those moments? How do you return to yourself and your mission? So my mission is to make sure no mom ever feels alone as I did in the beginning, alone with this diagnosis with nowhere to turn. That's my number one mission. And I just turn to them. Like I turn to the moms in my supporter group, the moms that I've connected with, and just get my cup filled by the connections they've made, the support they felt. That's what I mean. It just helps me so much. Can you talk about your dreams for Cooper's future? Yes, I can. So In the beginning, one of the things that was really hard for us to talk about was Cooper living with us forever. So speaking of marriage, it was really hard for us. And I hear this from other couples too, to talk about it. Like I'd be ready to talk about it and my husband would get mad and then he would be ready and then I would cry. It took us a long time. And my advice is always have those conversations, just keep pushing. So we plan to travel the world and go to every train station and take Cooper with us because he loves trains. I don't, we're not there yet in the sense of traveling and being able to do that stuff yet, but we think that he's going to be able to, and we just really want to enjoy our later years and just have our buddy with us. I love it. Yeah. You can answer this if you want to, and you don't have to, if you don't want to, what are your thoughts or what considerations do you give to your younger children and care of Cooper after you and your husband are gone? That is another really big hot topic. Yeah. And I've changed my language in this one as well. So I have a whole chapter. please correct me if anything I just said in there was like, that's no, no, not not like, (laughs) I'll explain what I meant by that. No, what you said was perfect. So a chapter in my book where I have a letter to Sawyer Mm -hmm. and I was like, buddy, we can't talk about it now, but when you're older, I need you to take care of Cooper. I need you to love him and wipe his mouth and put his Wi-Fi on and make sure he's safe. And I've learned that that is a lot of pressure to put on a sibling. And I didn't think like that in the beginning because I was, you know, I made mistakes. I didn't know. So now we talk really openly and honestly about autism. We talk about Cooper, how he's going to live with mom and dad. And we hope you come back and visit. He's going to miss you so much. And, but we don't put any pressure on the kids at all because it has to be kind of scary to think like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to take care of someone when I'm, I'm going to make this up newly married or whatever. So we try to be really honest and respectful, but give our kids the room to make their own decisions and then secretly inside hope that they will help, you know, help manage his care. Yeah. That we're raising good humans. Yeah. 
Thank you for answering that question. Well, I have a family member and a friend who have teen, early teens with autism and they're kind of in the process of like yeah. shifting things in their wills. They already had had some things laid out, but as the kids got older, you know, once your child with autism hits teen years, you have a bit of a better sense around like yeah. how independent they may or may not be able to be. And so I've been having conversations with these couple moms about like, what accommodations are being made and like how are siblings involved or not? And what is kind of a long-term plan? And it's, oh my goodness, it's just, it's so much to think about. And so I appreciate you answering that question. So that other parents who are kind of always have that in the back of their mind are able to find, hear someone else's plan to be able to kind of start to create their own. Cause Mm -hmm. I'm, those are big, big, big huge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. I want to meet Cooper now for sure. Yes. <laughs> but I want you to tell us about the book. So the book is called Forever Boy. It came out yesterday. So like I said, we're recording this a little earlier, but when this goes live, the book will be one day old. So tell us about Forever Boy and what you want other parents to know and who should read the book. Because I think that that's important as well. Okay. So the book really starts um, when my husband and I get married and it goes through our life. And up until I would say Cooper, because my fourth wasn't born yet. So up until he's really 10 years old. And it talks about the challenges that he faced, we faced, and we've touched on a lot of them today. And I think it's really beautifully written in a way of reality versus hope and how it's always this tension that's kind of push-pull. And my hope was high and then it went down and now it's huge again. And it's really about my transformation. And that's the thing that I always try to say is when you have a child diagnosed with something, you think it's all about them, right? Getting them services, getting them help, getting them caught up if if that's possible, getting them to where they need to be. And what's totally forgotten is the mom and the dad and the caregiver aspect. And you're going on this equally huge journey Mm -hmm. and there's no one telling you what to do and you are alone in it even in my marriage. And a lot of marriages feel that way. We were both on the same journey, but entirely different. Mm -hmm. So it's really about the transformation. It's really hopeful. It touches a lot on marriage and the sibling dynamic. And then we also went down a medication journey for Cooper. And I don't talk a lot about that publicly. And I go into that. And then I also talk about our when we had aggression and self-injuring and and those really kind of hard parts that are hard to talk about. And who should read it? So parents, anyone you want to know about autism or your own life. Like I had someone say, I'm giving this to my teacher. I'm giving this to my school's principal. But then there was this unique following of my book. People that are just really navigating um, a life that's different than the one they envisioned. I love that. Yeah. I think it's really important that are you familiar with Debbie Reber? I meant to ask you this before we started recording. So Debbie Reber, she has a book called differently wired. She has a son who has autism and uh, now I'm going to get it wrong. I believe it's autism and giftedness, which might not be the right word for giftedness, but it's a phenomenal book. And when I read the book in advance of interviewing her, I was like, Oh, this book is for parents who have a child that has either autism, ADHD, gifted, like a handful of different diagnoses. And as I was reading it, I was like, this book is for every parent because inevitably, even if my child doesn't have one of those things, my child's going to be in school with kids that have those things. And it's been fascinating to me. I read it a few years ago. My son must've been in kindergarten at the time. He's in a class 
full of kids that have all of the above. And so it's been so great to have read that book and been able to look at it through the lens of like, how am I raising a child who's a good citizen in a world where he is communicating with children who are, whose brains work differently and, or maybe who communicate differently or who socialize differently. Um, So I want to point out that while the story is about Cooper and autism and how the impact on your family and mothering for you, I think that the more we familiarize ourselves with stories of people who are living very different lives than us, the more compassionate, empathetic citizens, community members we can be. So I want people who of course can relate to your story to read the book, of course, because it's going to give them that hope and help them, you know, potentially see some solutions in the things that you've been through. And I also want people who don't have an autistic child who don't necessarily know what that world looks like to read the book because our children are in class with children who have all sorts of different special needs. And so it's a responsibility of all of us to learn and grow together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's been the most amazing part for our eight-year-old, kind of just what you're saying is we've been joining Miracle League and we go to camps for families with special needs kids. And my son Sawyer has learned so much about how people can have physical differences, neurological, and they're all just kids. Like, And it's really removed the stigma for him because People, I think, get nervous around people who look different or act different. And he's, and we are growing up without that. Yeah. And that's amazing. And and I'll tell you, I was so nervous about Cooper being in fifth grade in public school. I got a video yesterday of him in like a, like a obstacle course with all the fifth graders. They're like, Cooper, like he, he's not, I'm going to just air quote something here. He's not the weird kid. He's not the autistic kid. He's Cooper. Yeah. Right. And I I love love it. Yeah. I love that. My son's having a similar experience with some of his classmate with Down syndrome, a classmate with autism, like a handful of other diagnoses. And it's, it's so much the same. Like they are, all of the kids in his class are appreciated for yeah. all the gifts they bring to the table. And that yeah. looks, there's such a spectrum of gifts. So, and the best thing about it. kids, I'll just say is kids yeah. will ask questions where adults are scared. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Kids will ask questions. And then I'm like, go home and tell your mom. <laughs> mm. And then it just normalizes like that curiosity can be okay. It's yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Love it. Oh my goodness. Kate, thank you so much for everything you've shared. I want you to tell people how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom before we close out this conversation. I oh my, I am showing our life in a real way. And I think that's so important because when we open up Instagram and Facebook these days, I just had a baby and I remember feeling so guilty right after because I didn't look perfect right after. Well, if you want to see what reality looks like with four kids, stop on by. I am going to be like super stalking your social after this. I'm so excited. (laughs) Great. I love it. Okay. Tell people where they can find you, where they can connect with you. So Instagram handle. And then of course, where can people get the book? Where can people buy Forever Boy? Yep. So I'm really active on Instagram. Lots of cute kiddos over there. An inside look at our life and our stories. Facebook is my much bigger following. So I do a lot more autism focused stuff over there. Advocacy. And then my book, Forever Boy, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target. I would love if you grabbed a copy and let me know what you think. I will link everything up in the show notes. So if people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Kate Swenson, and you will get to have links right through to all of the good stuff. Oh my goodness, Kate, thank you so much for being here. I always say this after someone writes their first book, you have to come back after you write the next book. Oh, <laughs> Is it too, I don't soon? Know what, too soon? I'm like, the pandemic can be blamed on me. <laughs> I was like, I better not do another one. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> 
Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you for everything you're putting out into the world. And thank you for letting us be part of your world for this moment in time and Cooper's world for this moment in time. This has just been such a gift to be able to have this conversation with you. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking